recently, and I'm not sure exactly uh, how many weeks it's been, but we taught on wine, and uh, uh, we studied wine, maybe I should say. And at that time, we learned there was two different kinds of... You, you look in the scriptures, sometimes it seems okay to drink wine. Sometimes it's not okay. And uh, we saw that the Bible was not inconsistent, but yet it's talking about two different kinds of wine from two different vines. And, of course, the heavenly vine is the, is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he's the vine and the members are uh, the branches. And there is a fruit from that. The branches only bear the fruit. It's produced by the vine. And uh, so then also there is a wine from the fruit of the vine. That's the good wine. There's an earthly vine that we talked a little about uh, from mankind. And uh, that there's a fruit from that as well. And there's a wine from that. And that's what men are made drunk with. That's the bad wine. So when you read in the scriptures that wine seems to be good, that's because it's from the heavenly vine. You read scriptures where the wine is not good, then that's because it's from that earthly vine. So tonight what I thought I would do is uh, talk about where the Lord turned the water into wine. And we'll read that in John, the Gospel of John chapter 2. So... Uh, before we start, I guess you'll know what vine uh, that wine came from. Uh, certainly, it's going to be the heavenly vine that that wine came from. It was not bad for men to, to drink that. So, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And uh, let's start in verse 1. Well, before I start, uh, what's the purpose of these miracles? You know, there's a lot of miracles in the scriptures. What's the purpose of them? You say, well, that's, it's, the scripture says it's to show that Jesus is Christ. Yes, but if that's all we get from it, then we're missing a lot uh, well, we're just missing a lot. A lot. Well, we're missing a lot of the good wine. I'll put it that way. So, uh, so this is a miracle. But as we read this, what's the teaching? Yes, it teaches that that Jesus is the Christ, and that's not a small thing. But what else is the teaching, or is that it? So, uh, think of this as we uh, as we uh, look at this and as we study this, Gospel of John, chapter two. Starting verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both, uh, and both Jesus was called and the, and the disciples to the marriage. So Jesus and his disciples. And when they lacked wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatever he saith unto you, do it. So Jesus was going to tell them some things. And there were, and there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, 
containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw some out now, and bear it unto the governor of the feast. And they bore it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not from where it was, but the servants knew the uh, the servants who drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. So, what is it teaching? Yes, it's teaching Jesus is the Christ. But is, is that it? Uh, Well, I was going to give some other examples, and I think maybe I won't. But uh, there, well, yeah, let me, let me just go ahead and do it. Uh, if it was just to show that Jesus was a Christ, that Jesus was of God, again, he could have done it many ways. And he did do it many ways, and there were many parables. And I was thinking a, a foolish thought, and don't condemn me, just uh, uh, I'm certainly not belittling the Lord, quite the opposite. But... I was thinking of Superman. Able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. What well, Jesus could have done that. They would have known, boy, he's, he's more than man. Speeding bullet wouldn't have meant much to him at this particular time. And I don't know what else. Was he faster than locomotive? I can't remember. what. I don't remember too much about Superman. But he didn't do things like that. Although that would have shown, hey, boy, he's not mere man. So here he did this. It is a miracle. It, it certainly was a miracle, and it is a miracle. But what is it teaching? Yes, teaching that Jesus is the Christ of God, and that's not a small thing. But why, why this? Is there more than that? Well, uh, and yes, the answer is yes. So there's many, many parts to this. Uh, these were stone and earthen vessels, and... And some of the commentaries uh, try to make that the point of it. And I don't believe that is the point of this. Um, he didn't make grape juice because they wouldn't get drunk on the grape juice and not recognize the bad wine if it came later and everything. So it wasn't grape juice. It was wine. And that's important. It says he turned the water into wine. So what is that teaching? I think to understand that, there's a couple things that we need to look at. First, it was water. He turned it into wine. We need to understand, well, what was the purpose of that water? And then, what was the purpose of the wine? Because he changed it. He didn't leave it water. There was water in there, and he changed that into wine. So what was the purpose of the water? And what was the purpose of the wine? And as we, uh, as we read that, 
it said there was uh, what, two or three firkins in each, uh, in each vessel. And uh, a firkin, I found out today, is about nine gallons, I believe. And there was two or three firkins in each of these pots. So that'd be between 18 and 27 gallons. So if you look at maybe 25 gallons in each. So we're talking about 150 gallons of water to start with. And then he said, fill them. Why that? Just, well, just make that, that's a 120 gallons, that's a, or 100, yeah, 150 gallons, that's a lot of wine. But he said, fill them. So, what was the purpose of the water? Let's look at that first. So, in the uh, verse 6, it was, tells us there uh, pretty clearly. And there were set six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of Jews. That was the purpose of this water that they had at this wedding. It was for the, after, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. So this was water for purification in the Jews' mind, in the Jews' belief. This was water for purification. Well, uh, was that important to the Jews? And uh, let's go to Mark chapter 7. And actually, we, we uh, looked at this uh, not too long ago, but I will, we'll go ahead and look at it again because it fits in and helps us understand this. So uh, Mark chapter 7, we're going to see was this purifying that the Jews felt so strongly. Uh, of the Jews, was it important to them? Uh, so Mark chapter 7, and we're going to see, oh yes, it was very important to them, this purifying, this cleansing. Mark 7, and let's start in verse 1. And again, I know recently this came up in a lesson as well, but we'll look at it again. Mark 7 and 1. Then came together unto, the Pharise unto him the Pharisees and certain other scribes who came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with, uh, with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. This was the Jews. This was the Pharisees. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands often, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there are which they have received to hold as, uh, as washing of cups and pots and bronze vessels and, uh, and tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? So at this wedding, they were prepared. A lot of water. What for? To wash their hands. To the, to the Jews, to the Pharisees, to the legalists. This was a big thing. This was purifying. 
This was cleansing to them. And now let's go back to Matthew 15. So they were, they were prepared. But now did the Lord leave it at that? And no, he changed it into something else, didn't he? Matthew 15. Well, let's read verse 8 and 9. Uh, and the people draweth near unto me with their, uh, with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Uh, and he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. Now, this is what they were saying. Well, you know, they're eating with, with, with the dirty hands. They haven't washed their hands. They haven't purified their hands. And, and, and his disciples, and he was con they were con the Pharisees were condemning Jesus and his disciples for eating with unwashed hands. That was the purpose of that water. The Jews was really big on that. And let me just say this, there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. I do it a lot nowadays, and especially with COVID, I'm doing a little more. But anyway, uh, that's, that's what that water was for. So here he says, it, that again, as they were condemning them for eating with unwashed hands, he said, listen, that which goeth in the mouth, that's not what, that's not what defileth a man. That which cometh out. And in verse 17, uh, Do you not understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the stomach, and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth, you understand? That which comes out of the mouth, not which goes in, that which comes out. Well, what comes out of the mouth? Well, he tells us. Out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and this defileth a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defileth a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now, they didn't agree with it. <laughs> they, this washing of hands was a big thing. But where did they get that from, the washing of hands? Was there COVID back there? And we had it on television and everything. Where did they get it from? And again, I know we, we studied this not too long ago. But uh, uh, let's look at a couple of those scriptures again. Back in the... They didn't just uh, bring this out of the air. There was a, uh, uh, a reason that they was so... Uh, their tradition was so strong about not eating with dirty hands. Not having dirty hands. So in... Uh, uh, let's see, Second Samuel chapter 22, 2 Samuel chapter 22, and we'll see where some of these things uh, come from. And again, I know we brought this into a lesson uh, just a few weeks ago, but I want to do it again. Second Samuel... 22 and verse 21. Now, 
the Pharisees, as well as the disciples, the Old Testament scriptures was what they had. They didn't have the New Testament, so, but they did have the Old Testament scriptures. And certainly the Pharisees uh, were very uh, well versed in the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't understand them, but they were very well versed in it. So 2 Samuel 22 and 21. So again, the Pharisees had this. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his ordinances were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. So here, in the book of Samuel, what the Pharisees had, what the disciples had, said, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. Now, if that's literal, which the Pharisees believed that it was, boy, you're going to scrub your hands, aren't you? If, he's, if, that's, if, that, if that's how my eternal reward, if that's where it comes from, I'm going to scrub my hands a little more. But see, the Pharisees had this. They had these scriptures. Uh, let's go to Psalms 18. Psalms 18. And 20. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. And there are other scriptures. We won't, we won't go to them. I think you get the idea. But this was, this was biblical. This, just as you have the New Testament and Old Testament, they had the Old Testament. They had the word of the Lord. And this is what they looked at. So if we look at this in the literal sense, then I see where they come up with the traditions of men. Washing your hands. See why they had these six pots of water. And again, we know what they started out with, maybe 150 gallons, when they filled them to the brim, I don't know how much they had. Or, well, that's, if they had them filled with the brim to start with, they had a lot of water. But it was important. If the Lord's going to reward me according to the cleanliness of my hands, I'm going I'm to use a lot of water. And so they did. And that's why when they saw the disciples eating with unwashed hands in the Lord, that's why they jumped on him. They jumped on him for everything, of course. They're, they're defiling, eating with defiled hands. And the Lord said, it's not what goes in, what comes out. We know what comes out of the Pharisees' mouth, the false doctrine, traditions of men. So one of the things that the Pharisees was trusting in was what? For their, uh, for their reward, for their eternal life, one of the things they trusted in was how clean your hands are. That's what I'm going to be rewarded for. Uh, So, how successful would this be, this 
cleansing with this water that they had for purification. How successful would that be? Purification and cleansing. What Job said, by the way, most perfect and upright man on the face of the earth, Job said, if I wash my hands with snow, purest water you can think of, or you can use words to describe, I suppose. He said, if I washed myself with snow and made my hands never so clean, yet thou would plunge me in a ditch, and my own clothes would whore me. So see, Job saying, uh, now all these pots of water and everything, I can wash with them, and then I'll be clean before God. I won't be defiled, uh, I, won't have, I won't be defiled, I won't have defiled hands. Job says, if I use snow water, purest thing you can think of. He said, if I wash my snow, my, myself with snow, make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me into this, and my own clothes shall whore me. Trying to cover ourselves with clean hands and physical things like that, that is horses. That's, we're looking at something else other than Jesus Christ. So Job said, of course, Job was before this, as I believe. But if, they'd asked, if they would ask Job, okay, we've got all these pots of water, Job. Is that enough water to cleanse and purify everybody at this big feast? Job said, won't work. Even if you use snow water, won't work. But yet, this was the teaching of the Pharisees for purification. Uh, okay, back in our text now, John uh, chapter 2. So I think uh, we get a little bit of information there. So back in... Uh, our text in, in verse 6 again. And there, were set, uh, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. So we know what that was now. We know why it was there. Containing two or three firkins apiece. So we know, uh, well, I'm going to say Probably about 150 gallons. That's what was left in them. And undoubtedly, they had already uh, uh, washed and everything, but that's what was left in them. But in verse 7, Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up, to the brim. Does that tell us anything? Well, it doesn't make any difference if he had just a 150 gallon or if he had it all the way to the top. And I the parable would still be true. But I believe what this teaches when they say, fill them up, fill them up to the brim. The Lord is going to do a miracle. And whatever he was going to do, he was going to do it to the full measure. And let me just tell you, that's all that he does, to the full measure. 
you look at the salvation and God's plan through Jesus Christ, he has the full measure of salvation. I heard a man on television this morning, and I, you've heard it, I've heard it many times, and, he's, and he said, uh, Jesus is not willing to any to perish. He's a shepherd. He's the one in charge of salvation, if you will. But if he doesn't want any to perish, and we know there's a lot going to perish, then he didn't give a full measure. And that's not my Lord. He gives a full measure. I believe that's what this is teaching. That whatever he does, he gives a full measure. He doesn't try to save. He saves. And he'll not lose one. That's a full measure. Not, not lose one that the Father gave him. We I'm not talking about the, every individual lived on the face of the earth. It's another uh, study, I suppose. But uh, full measure. I don't want us to forget that. So now, we, we know there was water. We know it was for the Jews' uh, traditions of purification, washing hands. To them, that was important. After all, there's going to be rewarded according to that, they thought. And then he was going to take this water and it's going to be a full measure of wine. So what was it going to make? Well, it's going to make wine. We saw the purpose of the water. What's the purpose of the wine? Psalms 105. And, well, I could also ask this. Is it going to, the, the water or the wine that the Lord made, is it going to fulfill its purpose? We know it's going to be a full measure. Is it going to do, is it going to, to fulfill the purpose? We know that water for, for purification wasn't going to purify any of them. They could clean their hands with snow water. It wasn't going to purify. They, uh, they weren't going to get rewards for that. It wasn't going to purify them. And the Lord told them very plainly that. But now he's going to turn that, which would fail, basically, and turn it into wine. And this wine is going to fulfill its purpose. The purifying of the flesh wasn't. The wine will. So what is its purpose? Psalms 104 and uh, verse 15. And you could read more of this if you want to uh, later this week. Uh, verse 15 of Psalms 104. And wine that maketh glad the heart of man. And we'll just stop there. So here, again, if you read before that, you see all these things that the Lord provided. and He feeds the, the fowls of the air and waters the hills and does all these things. And this also is something that he does. And it said, and wine that maketh glad 
the heart of man. Is the wine that the Lord himself made going to fulfill that? Is it going to make the heart glad? Ecclesiastes says, uh, wine that makes the heart merry. So, the water that was used to, by the traditions, to clean their hands and everything, this is how God's going to reward me. Does that make your heart glad? Knowing what Job says, <laughs> that, that, if I wash myself with snow, make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch. So if it was according to the, to the washing of my hands, that doesn't make me glad. I would wash them a lot more, but still, how do you know? Proverbs 31, and we read this recently in, in, in the study. I can't remember exactly what we're studying on, but Proverbs 31, when, actually, I do remember now. It's when we was... Uh, studying about wine, and this shows the good wine and the bad wine uh, all in, in one place. Let's see, what did I say? Uh, Proverbs 31. I forgot where I was going. Proverbs 31. So this shows the effect of wine. And what it does. And what we're going to read here, one place, oh, it's bad to drink wine. The other place, yeah, well, give them wine. And let's not get confused. It's not, well, these should drink wine and these shouldn't drink wine. It's the type of wine. Don't drink this wine. Drink this wine. Uh, and there was purposes. Okay, uh, Proverbs 31 and, and 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of any of the afflicted. So here he says, these ones, he said, you shouldn't drink this wine. It'll call, it will... Uh, cause you to forget the law and pervert the justice of any of the afflicted. So he said, don't, don't drink this wine. If we drink the wine of the Pharisees, oh, this is the way God's going to reward you according to how clean your hands are. Haven't we forgotten something? <laughs> We've forgotten how we're made clean. The blood of Jesus Christ. And when we, when we are caused to see the blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us, that makes the heart glad. So we see here, no, this, this wine causes you to forget. Cause you to, we'll just say, stagger out of the way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But being, being made drunk with the wine the earth, from the earthly vine, stagger 
out of the way. And let me tell you, out of the way, out of the true way, there's no gladness. I spent, I don't know how many years of my youth thinking that the way was through being a good boy. And I wasn't glad. And there came a point I wanted to hide from God. I wanted to hide from the church building. I wanted to hide from everything. It didn't make my heart glad. Not only I didn't actually forget about Jesus Christ and his blood, I just didn't really see it yet at that time. Same as forgetting. So now, don't drink that wine. Uh, and then, in verse, okay, don't drink that wine. Now, in verse 6, give strong drink to him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those who are of a heavy heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. So now, here's a forgetting that's good. But you, you understand this is two different wines. But this wine gives strong drink to him that is ready to perish. And wine to those that are of a heavy heart. Linda, you remember the young, one of the young men that worked with us down at the store in Chesapeake. And one of the nicest guys... Uh, uh, upright, good morals. And uh, we would talk occasionally. And he would say, and he didn't, I mean, he was serious. He said, well, I know I'm going to hell whenever I die. I mean, that's a, that's a heavy statement. <laughs> and he believed it. I know I'm going to hell whenever I die. Well, why did he know that? He listened to all the teaching of the religious world. And he was drunk with that wine. So, I, I don't know what he believes to this day. But I talked to him some. And I wanted to give him strong drink. Give strong drink to him that's ready to perish. He certainly thought he was going to perish. Because he couldn't do what the religious world said to do. Of course, what he didn't know, they can't do it either. So give strong drink to him that's ready to perish, and wine unto those that are heavy heart. This is from the heavenly vine, it's not the earthly vine. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. So we drink and forget that. Uh, Job said, Seemed to be a helpless situation at that time. If I wash my hands with snow and make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch, my own clothes shalt whore me. Seems like a helpless situation. But give him strong drink to forget that. Realize our salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Him alone. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And we forget about the other then. We forget about... Yeah, I don't have to wash my hands that clean after all. That's not my reward. That's not my salvation. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. That's from the heavenly vine. So, uh, well, let's go real quick. Uh, Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> 
Starting not to go there, but let's go there. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 and... I'll just read one verse to save us a little time. Verse 15. Romans 10 and 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? And it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. What was the purpose of the wine? Make the heart glad. And that's what he's talking about. Those that are, that are sent... And he gives them knowledge, and they preach glad tidings of good things. So by God's grace, this evening, that's what we're doing. Glad tidings. Jesus Christ died on the cross to redeem you, to pay for your sins. And that's how you're cleansed. Not by earthly washings and so forth like that, that the Pharisees believed. Glad tidings. Again, I, I'm guilty or whatever, but Sunday mornings, I generally, as we're getting ready, I have the television on to these different religious programs. Very few of them ever give me glad tidings because they base it all, it's up to you. Uh, let's go Acts 13. Acts chapter 13. And you know, we take this wine and these glad tidings for granted sometime. Uh, but I can remember when I didn't see the glad tidings. When I hadn't drank that wine, I was drunk with the other wine. I didn't know the way. Uh, okay, Acts chapter 13 in verse 32, and we declare unto you glad tidings. That's what the wine does. Makes the heart glad. The wine from the heavenly vine, we understand. And we declare unto you glad tidings. How the promise which was made unto the fathers. Uh, so the promise of the fathers and, and the way and so forth that's glad tidings, the promise. Uh, in verse 33, uh, God hath fulfilled the same unto their, us, uh, their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again, and hath also written in the second Psalms, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And we know about, about the son, of course, and that's where the glad tidings come from. That's where will be recompensed. We don't deserve it. And they'll be crowns. And we don't deserve them. What do we do? Those in glory, they cast the crowns back at his feet, saying, Lord, these are because of you. But this is glad tidings. And verse uh, 38, the same chapter. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Is that not glad tidings? Does that not make the heart glad? 
And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Couldn't be justified by the law of Moses. Touch not, taste not, handle not, wash your hands. That wasn't the way. The Pharisees didn't see that. They were drunk with the earthly mind. So here we see this glad, glad tidings and so forth and, and things that make the heart glad. And then... Verse 48 will be familiar because I quote this a lot. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Oh, there was something that made their heart glad. And it was this wine from the heavenly vine. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And listen to this. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So all those that were ordained to eternal life, they will believe. Their believing doesn't get them eternal life, but they were ordained to eternal life, and they will believe. So what this is teaching, this miracle here, the Lord had, uh, uh, he took six pots of water that was used for earthly purification and cleansing, And uh, had them filled to the brim. No half measures here. And turned that, which was earthly purification, which didn't do anything, which failed as far as making them clean in the sight of God. And he turned that into that which was to make the heart glad. So he turned that which would fail into that which is successful, which makes the heart glad. So, glad tidings, good news. Uh, we're out of time. Let me, just, let me just finish with this, and we'll leave some of the other things going. Psalms 23, you're all familiar with it, and many of you uh, can quote it. But let me just let me just read that. Certainly, this is some wine from the heavenly vine that makes the heart glad. Psalms twenty-three, so familiar to you. The Lord is my shepherd. Does that not make your heart glad? Knowing who is is your shepherd leading you, and he is your protector, that makes the heart glad. It's not me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Going to have everything we need. Might not everything. What was it? Uh, well, let me just get back to the lesson. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Isn't that not a picture of being glad and content and happy? He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Does that not make your heart glad? This is from the heavenly vine. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Does that not make the heart glad? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So we go through many dark valleys and things like that. But you're not alone. 
I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. And then listen to this. My cup runneth over. I remember Brother Walt at one of our conferences. He was trying to say how blessed he was at the conference and, and uh, trying searching for words. And he just says, my cup runneth over. And with a full measure to the brim of the wine from the heavenly vine that makes the heart glad, isn't that what we say? My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does that not make your heart glad, knowing you dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Washing your hands and, and, and those things that the Pharisees taught, that doesn't make the heart glad. But knowing Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, that's, he's the way, the truth, and the life, that makes our heart glad. So he took that which would fail for an earthly cleansing, turned it into that which makes the heart glad. And it comes from that heavenly vine, not the earthly vine. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word.